This is the Birth Village Podcast. Welcome back to the Birth Village Podcast. I'm Morgan Brower and I am with the one and only Trisha Baird. Hi guys. <laughs> if you don't know Trisha yet, you must be new here. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> You're going to like me, I think. I think so too. <laughs> I've never met anybody who doesn't, but <laughs> that's nice. <laughs> Today we are going to talk about um, pain management in labor, specifically epidurals. We've had a lot of questions about epidurals and I think that this is one of the major major birth topics mm -hmm. in general yeah, for sure and um we've you know made commentary here and there right. about epidurals but we've never really sat down and just had a full-blown like discussion about pain mm -hmm. management so that's that's what our plan is today i did um a lot of research just kind of like preparing for this episode i did not ask trish to because that was my job not hers so <laughs> don't think that she was slacking that was not her job i wouldn't um, have done it anyway <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't have needed to actually um but i went through and um refreshed my memory so i'm a really big fan of a podcast called evidence-based birth and it is put on by a woman named rebecca decker and she is a gosh a registered nurse she's a yes. nurse but she has a phd yes and so she's really smart she's yeah. really awesome um highly recommend this podcast if there's anything that you just want the straight facts on she gives it and and that's what i love so i wanted to make sure that we could bring some facts to you guys um instead of just opinions or what sounds like opinions right we can actually back it up with like Here's where we learned this from. <laughs> well, there's evidence definitely behind anything that we talk about, Morgan. Yeah. But yeah, because of all of our opinions on stuff. But that's what I love about Rebecca. And most childbirth education or doulas or anyone is going to know about Rebecca Decker. And mm -hmm. if they don't, they need to. <laughs> yeah. But even nurses and doctors, you know, it's evidence-based birth for a reason. Mm -hmm. There's studies behind everything that she mm -hmm. talks about. What I like about her as well is the fact that she tells you what kind of studies that she's reviewing because mm -hmm. there's multiple different kinds of studies and each of them merit its own, um, like how much you should buy into it. I right. guess. Yeah. Um, you know, and she'll talk about it like, well, this study shows this and it was this amount thorough, like right. it was super thorough or it kind of wasn't that thorough, but it did provide these results to us mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So if you are interested in learning more about epidurals um, and like factual information on them, we're going to go over some stuff here today, but our purposes are are slightly different than hers and so if we have you, a lot of opinions yeah, and we will be sharing some <laughs> opinions and you have a lot of experience <laughs> experience for experience. sure yeah. so um if you want to learn more about some of the evidence that we will be reviewing today go check out rebecca decker now some of these um facts that we're pulling are from her a couple of her very first episode she does a whole series on pain management and talks about epidurals and um well, nitrous oxide and like all kinds of things and then she also talks about um natural pain management as well so we're gonna also do that but we're kind of focusing primary subject today epidurals <sighs> do we have any 
before we like jump in i can't think of any news or anything hmm. i don't really think so it's january so we're just like oh it's january we are trying to hang in there yeah we really are <laughs> let's get through it just make it through yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so yeah, I mean, obviously the birth village always has stuff coming up. So yeah, we do. nothing that's like really close on the roster that you need to know about it. Obviously we'll give you the information as it comes up, but some pretty cool stuff coming up this year and stay tuned for that. Yes, for sure. Okay. So there is a pretty big narrative just in general that birth can be pretty terrible. <laughs> I think yeah. um, you always hear people that are needing and wanting to share their negative birth experiences. I think it's for themselves because they need the validation of their experience and that it was hard and terrible. Um, But now, especially with social media and, and stuff like that, there's this like natural birth movement is taking off and you're hearing more and more and more and more about how birth pain-free birth and birth right. isn't always terrible and sometimes it's awesome and epidurals are awful and mm-hmm. uh, you know just like all of these different opinions that are kind of starting to surface well they want to be validated too and their yes. feelings <laughs> yes it's it's a trauma response we yeah. want to be validated yeah and so whatever our trauma was whether it's tra- traumatic or amazing we want to validate that feeling yes and it makes us feel better about however we're feeling especially if it's good Mm -hmm. so if we have a good birth experience we want to tell other people and be validated in those feelings by them coming back and saying oh my gosh thank you so much for telling me about that i was able to do it and then all because of you (laughs) yeah that validation is incredible Mm -hmm. but imagine if you had a trauma type of situation and you get validated in that then that's a lot because not only do you not move through that trauma, but it stacks on top Mm -hmm. of that validation stacks on top of the trauma. So it even makes you feel more like, yeah, that was way worse because even she felt that way, you Mm -hmm. know? So, so yeah, I mean, if there's anything that we want to accomplish with this podcast is, to let go of those and we don't need to be validated in our negativity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's true. Yeah. And I think one reason why um, the positive birth experiences and then the natural birth movement is so, is trying to be so loud mm-hmm. is because they're trying to overpower or at least be heard on equal playing gr- right. ground. <laughs> yeah. Use that <laughs> phrase, right? As birth trauma stories right and there was a lot that uh women went through as our medical systems tried to remove pain from labor Mm -hmm. that there was a lot of trauma that took place and so for a couple of generations now there has been there's been kind of traumatic stories and so um well traumatic pictures that keep being shown yeah these same pictures from the 50s that all of these you know, birthy people are showing and it's like, yeah, yeah, that happened. Yeah. But then they're putting their own spin on it, which makes everyone go, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, Morgan and I did a whole episode on the history of childbirth in America. That was almost a year ago, I think. Oh, wow. That's crazy. I don't know. Just look back (laughs) (laughs) if you want to listen to it. Um, But we talked about why, um, you know, drugs came into play. Mm Mm-hmm in America and why 
specifically white women were given this option, mm-hmm. quote unquote. Um, but turns out it wasn't the best option, mm-hmm. but because we were privileged, um, we had it. And so. that is what it was. Is it, it started as a privilege mm-hmm. to have, Oh, really quick jumping yeah. back to pictures that we've seen in the media, but it's yeah. not even just pictures because I mean, it's, it's really, really rare that you will come across any media at all. Um, you know, movies, TV shows, whatever that show birth as a pleasant experience. Right. Very true. And yeah. that's, um, damaging to our narrative mm-hmm. of birth, mm-hmm. um, because it is causing so many women to head into a birth experience thinking that, there's no avoiding that. Right. There's no avoiding the trauma. It's just a part of it. There's no avoiding the super terrible, awful parts of it. It's just a part of it. Mm -hmm. And why the hell would you not get an epidural? Right. If birth is so terrible and traumatic. Right. Why wouldn't you want to be numb if we're talking about second or third or possibly even a fourth degree tear? (laughs) Yeah, that too. These stories are getting told. So then women are like, I'm going to make sure I'm going to be numb in case one of those things happened to my body. Mm-hmm. And that that gets real messy mm-hmm. in our minds and how we cope and how we deal with the decisions that we have. Because truly in America, most women have a lot of d- options and um, we can say no or yes to things, but we don't quite know because of this trauma response that we hear then we say, well, I definitely want to be numb if that's going to happen to my perineum, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, absolutely. Which, ladies, I, I need to debunk that <laughs> right now. That's a myth. Yeah. And you will not feel that. Like it, we think about, we put ourselves into the situation, you know, and like right now, like if I was to fill a tear on my perineum, I'm sorry, this is maybe TMI or whatever, but <laughs> I mean, babies do come out of that area. Yeah. So, but it, today in my daily life today to feel that that does trigger a response for me Mm. because my body wouldn't be prepared to have a wound like that Mm. you know but a woman who has went through labor and has pushed a baby through or is pushing a baby through this part of her body is prepared for that Mm. her body is not going to feel a tear like I would feel a tear right now on my body you know right and so we put our mindset into oh that's oh my gosh I can't believe how bad that would must have felt or will feel sure for me. you think a tear is a tear is a tear and yeah. it's awful but it's not that at all when we're uh, labor that's part of what happens in labor your whole situation down there changes drastically. In fact, as a doula, because we don't do vaginal checks, I can just witness what it looks like down there. And I know if the baby's coming out soon because it definitely looks different. There's so much more blood Mm -hmm. in that area. The color is different. The area is different. It's prepared to take on what's going to be happening. And area. prepared to heal it afterwards. Exactly. Your body is prepared for a lot of healing that's yes. going to go on. Whether you have a tear or not, there's right. healing that needs to be taken place exactly. and your body's going to handle it. It's going to exactly. do it. So we need to just remember, don't put your mind into immediately into that spot of pain or yeah. trauma because your body is going to prepare itself for that mm-hmm. when it's time for your body to experience that. Yeah. 
I love that plug. That was really great. We just a little bit ago, we're kind of addressing the fact that um, pain management, at least initially was a really huge privilege. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was typically just for white women, Mm -hmm. which has in turn in, even in today's day and age has, is kind of affecting people of color still and the experiences that they're having. I'm kind of hoping that we'll be able to address that at some point. If you're interested in that, I guess let us know, but we are kind of working on that. So anyways, um, but it it was like a really bougie thing. It was like a really like, like fancy experience. Only the women that come from money or obviously their partner, because these women didn't work. There was no, there wasn't even female workers usually in the hospital other than nurses. So like, yeah, these women were the the more privileged upper class you know citizens and so anytime these type of citizens are getting a special type of care everybody wants it right yeah <laughs> doesn't matter how much money you make right and so yeah unfortunately that's how it all started and it just got this weird oh I want to do that you know yeah. or I want to just go to sleep and then have my baby the next day <laughs> well there's a lot that went on in their bodies that they had no idea about mm-hmm. which Morgan and I obviously know is not a good idea. So there's a lot of scary history behind that, but yeah, we're sure. not here to talk about that today, no, but no. it is kind of crazy. Yeah. But the, it's where, it's where this whole epidural thing kind of came from. Yeah. You know, like, Oh, you, you don't have to feel it. You know? So why would why you, would you? Yeah, it's exactly. such a privilege to yeah. have this type of pain management. So why would you turn it away? Mm-hmm. But what we were talking about just before we started recording is that it, I don't know. It's not, it's not necessarily a privilege. It's a privilege to feel right. what your body's going through. Right. And maybe we need to open our eyes to that possibility is that right. it's, it's a, it's an amazing, beautiful experience to, to, um, feel and experience birth. Right. And, um, there are ways to ensure that it is not so terrible. Right. Yeah. It, there, it's a preparation, mm-hmm. you know, like it's, it's something that we can't just do willy nilly like, Oh, so-and-so did it. I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. Obviously that's, that's not it at all. It is a privilege to fill it, but you also, because of that privilege, you have to prepare for it. It's a huge preparation. And it, it's way more than just, Oh, bodies are made to do this. So I suppose I can do it. Mm-hmm. It's bigger than that. Oh yeah. It's quite a lot bigger than that. And so we, we would just encourage everybody to sit down and think about what you think about birth. Mm -hmm. What are your dogmas? What are your biases about birth? Whether you're on the natural crunchy hippie side or not, what are the biases that you have? And maybe we need to find a lot more gray area in between this and that because there are risks and there are benefits to everything exactly and so anyway we're just going to talk about some of those today and we hope that if you are someone who feels worried about birth or scared about birth and specifically the pain of birth that we will have said something at the end of this episode to ease that fear a little bit and make you feel a little bit more encouraged whatever your birth plan will be even if it is that you want to go have an epidural maybe you feel a little bit more prepared for your epidural after this episode exactly yeah okay well um okay so let's talk about so yeah i said 
you know, we were talking about Rebecca Decker and, um, let's see, we kind of are just so that you guys know what our, our, um, goal is we're wanting to talk about too how and why some people can claim a pain-free experience and others claim that it is the worst thing of their lives um we kind of addressed that a little bit already but it has a lot to do with your mindset um and then pain tolerance let's talk about right. pain tolerance okay you well, yeah we definitely want to ha- help people understand that choosing epidural isn't bad no um and we want to we want to specifically go over why it could be a good thing, but then why it sometimes gets gets a bad rap as yeah. well. Yeah. So you know we do hear this pain tolerance thing so much. Yeah. Oh, I don't have high pain tolerance. I so. have to get an epidural because yeah. or, I have low oh, pain. Oh, I have such high pain tolerance that I was totally able to do natural birth. Yeah. You know? and we I suppose it was no big deal for me. Yeah. I have a high pain tolerance. Exactly. <laughs> Which uh, is actual. Bull crap. <laughs> yeah, there is no <laughs> connection. Who who has the measuring stick for this tolerance of pain? I was telling Morgan that, you know, pain is something that is understood. Pain is something that we get used to. Mm-hmm. And pain is something that we acknowledge in our mind and it's okay. Yeah. So I I compare a lot childbirth to a, like a crazy hard marathon or a triathlon or Ironman. I say after childbirth, you're going to feel like you've run an entire Ironman, which <laughs> is not only a marathon, but it's a whole lot of other stuff too. Because there's, you know, you're really tired after mm-hmm. <laughs> your body hurts in places you didn't even know you had. <laughs> so, so, but because... I compare that a lot. We need to understand like triathletes or marathon runners, you know, like why can't everybody run a sub three hour marathon? You know, if it's that easy, I mean, if it's possible, it's possible. Yeah. Like so what's well, the big deal? Yeah. So why can't you do it? You know, well, it's because people specifically women that I'm going to talk about that can run a sub hour marathon, which I'm not one of them, by the way, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> she no has thanks. run lots of marathons, yeah, but just I none under got, three hours. No, no. Nor did I want to, because I wasn't willing to let my brain be in that much pain for that long. I knew what I was capable of and I wasn't ready to enter into that. We called it, we used to call it the pain cave. Yeah. Dig into you that know? for us. <laughs> yeah. So there's a certain amount of time that you have to fill pain when it comes to, um, you know, continuing to run or continuing to ride that bike. Honestly, or, anything hard, anything, but hard, we're doing yes. a sports analogy. Yeah. Yeah. So, but when we're training for something every single day, most likely, at least six days out of the week, you're doing a hard thing every day. You're on a six mile um, run. You're doing um, speed work. You're out on your bike riding a certain amount of hours, like hours Mm -hmm. and hours and hours. And so hours, yes, eight hours, 10 hours. Yeah. So much time, you guys, it takes so much time to get that endurance, not just pain tolerance, but endurance and endurance. All it means is you pushed your body so far that the next time you do it, it's not that it's easier. It's just that your brain remembers, Oh yeah, 
Mm-hmm. I could do this. I, I've already done this. Your brain is not so worried about it. Your no. mind is always, always, always in any hard scenario going to give up before your body does. 100%. So whether it's a, a I don't know, a cold plunge oh. or a marathon. Yes. Or <laughs> the <laughs> or other day whatever. I was trying to cold plunge and my goal is always three minutes. And I got in and I was kind of bugged at a situation that was going on. You guys, I couldn't even sit in there for 30 seconds. I was <sighs> so mad. I could not let my brain go. And usually I can let it go so quick and I'm breathing and I'm a very calm in a very calm breath. And it's like, I'm, I'm fine. I know that I'm fine, but I couldn't get through 30 seconds. I had to get out immediately because I was just like, I can't do this today. My mind would not let me. That is so huge because it goes to, it it talks about mindset Mm -hmm. and how, even if you've done the thing before, if your mind isn't in the right place for it this time, Mm -hmm. you're not going to be able to do it. And that is why preparing for an unmedicated birth, you have to do every time. Yes. Every single time. You don't just, you didn't just earn it Mm -mm. because you did it before. Mm -mm. You have to go into something prepared. You have to have your mindset in the right place, Mm -hmm. whether it's for labor or a cold plunge or a marathon marathon. or whatever, an Ironman, um, endurance, pain tolerance equals endurance and your mind's ability to say, I'm I'm safe. Yeah. So we really need to get rid of that term pain tolerance because it's not about that bs yeah it's not about pain tolerance it's about what are you willing to let go of in your mind what are you willing to breathe through Mm -hmm. what are you willing to say it's okay i'm Mm -hmm. okay yeah this is okay this is okay i'm safe yeah yeah how long can you sit in that pain cave yeah and know and trust that you're safe Mm -hmm. and that it will be over at some point this is why we always say build your birth team Yeah, of course, because your birth team is there to remind you, you got this, you can do this. Mm -hmm. Just breathe. I trust you. Mm -hmm. Trust your body. I know that you can do this. You're already doing this. You know, that's what your birth team is doing. Your partner, your midwife, your doula, your OB, the nurse, whoever is around you. They are the ones that keep your mind okay. They're protecting your mindset. Mm -hmm. But as soon as you lose it in your mind and you haven't created that team around you to make sure that you're okay that's when you're like no I'm done I need an epidural (laughs) or your baby's coming out but yeah because that is (laughs) typically the time that you feel like giving up if you've been doing it without an epidural like okay good let's just get through this last little part yeah (laughs) but that that's a huge 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 misconception is that pain tolerance has a lot to do with it it has nothing to do with it because tolerance is activity dependent yes your your tolerance for birth might be so so different than your tolerance for breaking your arm exactly like they're not connected and so how do you measure there's no way even your tolerance for cleaning up after your two-year-old oh tell me about that yeah (laughs) some days you're gonna have that wipey and you're gonna have everything perfectly their hair's gonna be clean and then the next day you're just gonna be like throw it out the window total right i don't have i do not have the tolerance for this today no and you'll clean it up tomorrow because i'll gonna be there yeah so (laughs) so it's not yeah it's just a tolerance to whatever you're dealing with Mm -hmm. so just ditch that thought right now i hope we debunked that one is pain tolerance nothing to do and Um, this is your body too right like when you're out on a bike or when you're running you're kind of forcing your body to do something right this is a physiological process you guys right this is not like running a marathon no because you don't have to force your body to do anything you just let 
your body do the thing. And that's where it's different. Exactly. It's so different. We, we try to do these a lot or I try to connect those a lot because obviously it's a hard thing, Mm -hmm. but you guys, it's a physiological process. You just have to breathe. Yeah. Um, who, who did we have on recently that, Oh, it was Danny that said, I just, I just breathed my baby yeah. out. That's all I did was breathe. Yeah. Cause that's all you can do. You just have to breathe. Let go. Yeah. Surrender. Mm-hmm. And if breathing is your way of letting go, if breathing mm-hmm. is your mindset, your way to be in the right place, then I mean, it's a really good, really good option, but for sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So there are some researchers, their names are Leap and Anderson, and they proposed that there are two different perspectives to I guess, dealing with labor pain. And the two different perspectives are pain relief, as in medication, Mm -hmm. and working with or coping with the pain. So these two different perspectives, and we're going to dig a little bit, at least briefly, Mm -hmm. into both of these for now. So the pain relief perspective, which is typically the medical perspective, and, um, you know, you're hospital staff might have this perspective which is that pain during labor is totally unnecessary we have tools to prevent this totally unnecessary in today's society and so we should eliminate the pain during labor there's no reason for anybody to be in pain so let's take it away right um and that this perspective a lot of the time has the um belief that the pain relief the the benefits of pain relief always outweigh the risks Right. <laughs> so this is, that's that perspective of pain relief. And then you've got coping with pain and working with pain, which believes that pain is a normal part of labor and that it's okay to be experiencing some pain here and there and that it's necessary because it encourages you and entices you to try these different positions like that help the baby come down. So your body is going to crave movement And movement is a lot of times what you need during labor. Yes. Um, However, this absolutely needs the right environment to help the the laboring mother feel safe and supported and to make sure that her everything's going the way that it can be so that she can cope with the pain and work through with, sorry, work through or work with the pain. Um, And then also it acknowledges that there are natural pain relieving hormones called endorphins that help you to get through these. So these are kind of the two different ideas and uh, spoiler alert, sometimes they go together, (laughs) right? So the third option is that you have both, right? So I don't know. I'm about to jump into Penny Simkin. Do you want to say anything before I do? I love Penny. She's amazing. (laughs) Do you want to tell us about her? Cause you know a little bit more about her than I do. Well, Penny Simkin is like the OG doula, okay? She's written books on being a doula. Um, I think the most famous one is The Birth Partner. Don't be mad if I did it wrong, but (laughs) pretty sure. Um, But yeah, she's the one who, like all Dona, doulas of North America, um, is based off of Penny Simkin and her um, mindset, if you will, Mm -hmm. on labor delivery and how important it is to not only have a doula or a birth partner, Mm -hmm. but someone there, um, supporting you. So that's Penny and yeah, she's pretty famous in the birth world. Yeah. So we, um, specifically she has talked, um, she's talked on a lot of subjects. Yes. The one that I'm narrowing into today is 
how she talks about the difference between pain and suffering. So you can have pain without suffering and you can have suffering without pain. They don't have to go hand in hand. Sometimes they do, but they don't have to. So pain without suffering for example, might be running or training for your marathon. Right. Like there's some pain that involves that. Your legs hurt, your feet hurt. You, I don't know. Um, it's, but you're handling it okay. It's just, you're not you're, suffering. Yeah, it's you're, just your body's... You're, you're talking, you're chatting, you're yeah. having a, a goo or energy drink <laughs> yeah, or whatever. Yeah. And you're just like, I mean... I'm enjoying this. Yeah. There's pain, but I'm definitely enjoying this. On some level, I'm enjoying this and I'm choosing this. Mm -hmm. Your muscles are tired, but they're fine. Mm -hmm. They keep going. Yeah. Um, There's like, I don't know, undergoing a planned surgery or like I'm an esthetician, right? So (laughs) micro needling or all of these painful um, procedures. procedures, Thank you. (laughs) Procedures that you could elect to have done where you're like, I'm in pain, but it is for the the good of my skin or whatever. Right. Um, and then planned and supported labor can also be painful without suffering. Right. And when you think about it like that, it just gives you a totally different perspective. Like you almost tend to not want to call it pain. Right. When you're thinking, when, when it's without suffering, a lot of times you feel like I don't, I wouldn't call this painful although technically it's pain it's pain and then so that's pain without suffering you're suffering without pain examples might be for example um and again we're gonna kind of dig into epidurals but if you have an epidural um you're probably without pain probably and again something else that we'll dig into i mean there Um, definitely is pain associated with epidurals yeah but if you so here's some suffering without pain having an epidural but suffering emotionally Mm -hmm. feeling distress due to long labor you're freaking tired Mm -hmm. and you're kind of suffering that way um suffering because of numbness or isolation you feel really worried about your baby or whatever and there there's other non-labor examples but those just for for example there can still be suffering without the pain right and that's something that you might want to consider and then obviously pain and suffering can happen at the same time and we're very familiar with all that so no examples needed here um and uh, pain management. So any kind of like epidural or whatever medical pain management with medical pain management, it is sometimes impossible to completely relieve pain. So coming back to that, it is a really good idea to prepare strategies Mm -hmm. of coping with and working with the other type of pain management, right? Right. Um, It's really good idea to prepare your pain management strategies of the different kinds to prepare for any labor experience because sometimes your pain management, your medicalized pain management isn't foolproof. It's not 100% and it doesn't always work. Um, When have you seen this? I would say patience is the thing that we need to work on no matter what our plan is for pain management in our Mm. birth or in our labor because birth takes a while (laughs) and whether you're numb or not you still have to be patient Mm -hmm. and you still have to understand the process Mm -hmm. like where's my body at right now even though I can't feel what my body's doing 
you know, be very mindful with um, the nurses or your partner yeah. or both. Um, understanding where your body's at, what changes have my bo- has my body made? Is there a different position that my body should be in? Mm-hmm. So that's like that. You still get to be mindful toward your body and what's happening in your body so that you don't want to just give up and be like, this is too long. This is too hard. Just cut the baby out or, mm-hmm. or whatever, you know? So just kind of understanding the whole entire process of what it takes for your body to be ready to push a baby through your birth canal and into the world is very, very important. Mm-hmm. Um, no matter what pain management you're going to be using. Yeah. Um, well, there's the also, <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. There's also, um, circumstances where you, want the epidural but can't get it yet mm-hmm. right the anesthesiologist is in the other room mm-hmm. and he can't make it to you for i don't know 30 more minutes or you're in a hospital where the anesthesiologist isn't on call so they have to call him at home and it's in the middle of the night oh and it takes him a hot minute to get yeah, there it's a while. <laughs> yeah so you know but i i fear that women hear stories like that and so then they get epidurals before it's time to get sure, an epidural which sure when is it the good time to get an epidural well according to trisha <laughs> that is definitely into some good active labor mm-hmm. you know when you're not feeling contractions at all this is not a time to get an epidural just because you're worried that you might have to fill something right you need to fill a little bit you need to fill yeah. some things because like Morgan said before, when you feel something, then you can move your body into the appropriate position to help that feeling. Mm-hmm. And when we do that, we're going to help our baby get into a better position or our body get into a better position for a baby to come out. Mm-hmm. Now, there's lots of things that we can do to a woman's body with an epidural too. But optimally, in a first stage <clears throat> before active labor starts... <coughs> It's okay. <laughs> um, we want to be upright. We want gravity to work with our body as much yeah. as possible. We don't want to be laying in a bed yet. No. You know, so. Let that I baby mean, move on down. Yeah, I mean, I don't even recommend going to the hospital until you're in active labor, obviously, mm-hmm. because you don't really need pain management until that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but being able to move with your body and seeing what feels better is going to just be. I mean, it's going to help progress your labor in a more positive direction versus, yeah. oh, I just felt a contraction. Give me the epidural because I don't want to feel another one. Well, and not even necessarily I don't want to feel another one, but I, I don't want it to be too late. Right. I don't want I to feel anything super hard. So I better get it now because I don't want it to be too late. It's yeah. like the fear of potential pain is what's causing you the suffering exactly where if you can cope with if you can work through a low level of pain Mm -hmm. you can have pain without suffering right but if you're scared if you're fearful of the potential pain the pain to come Mm -hmm. your pain will be worse because Mm -hmm. it will be hand in hand with suffering right and i hear that all the time a a mom at a four or five centimeters i know we put these centimeters on which (laughs) uh, i don't know come to my class to understand more about that but (laughs) 
But, you know, they say things like, oh, if it hurts this bad right now, I can't even imagine what it's going to feel like when I'm nine centimeters. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, you just went there and you just felt it. So you actually do know. Yeah. You know, don't worry about it. It was that. Because, right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It was that. You just already felt it. It's it's not going to get any worse than that. Yeah. You just made up your mind that it was going to feel like. So right now you're in between a contraction. You don't feel anything. Mm -hmm. You just feel totally fine Mm -hmm. so focus on that Mm -hmm. focus on the here and now right now Mm -hmm. are you okay right now yes okay then don't worry about what's coming yeah you know because you don't true you truly don't know what's what's coming no you know and And if you're again if you're scared of it if you're fearful of it you are holding yourself back you're causing yourself tension and suffering exactly yeah um another example of where you may need to use coping um as a pain management strategy or whatever is if your epidural isn't necessarily working, right? You have your epidural and it's only working on the one side mm-hmm. or just like not working super great altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have the pain, if you have the coping strategies, you, it doesn't kind of matter if your epidural is only half working, it'll still give you partial relief right. and you'll have these other skills you'll have a toolbox equipped with these other skills that you can pull from and you're going to be just fine Mm -hmm. but if your only plan is to rely on the epidural Mm -hmm. it's going to feel terrifying if it's not working right (laughs) well yeah they like to ask you your pain level when you get to the hospital and then they say what's your goal to keep your pain level at Mm. And so if you're like at a six or whatever, and then later on you're like, oh, I'm more like a seven. I think I'm going to get the epidural. Well, then you get the epidural, you might bounce back down to six or maybe five, but you were expecting a zero. Yeah. And so what the anesthesiologist will say is, well, we can only guarantee you're going to be a few more points lower than what your main pain was. Like we can't take it all the way away sometimes. Right. Because some women, they can't. I mean, every body is different. Every body responds differently to the epidural and the medication that is getting dripped into your spinal column. Mm Mm-hmm. And so it just kind of depends, you know, that's huge, actually, because I didn't realize that until I was studying for this episode Mm -hmm. that an epidural doesn't necessarily bring your pain down to zero. Mm -mm. I had no idea of that. Yeah. And there is a study that shows that the it does lower your pain on average, but like on a one to ten scale, it's about three three and a half points on the scale. Exactly. And so, again, for me, I was kind of. I just always assumed Mm -hmm. that it was, and I, I know a decent amount about birth, but I had assumed that the goal of an epidural is to get you to a zero. No. Yeah. I just had a anesthesiologist say that the other day in the room. Well, you, you were saying your pain level was a seven. Now you're saying three. That's pretty good. That's what we're, that's what we're aiming for. I don't want to fill anything. He's like, well, there's just, there's not much we can do. We've already given you the full amount, (laughs) you know? So so you need so to handle at least, you need to be able to handle it. at least mm-hmm. level four pain or yeah. whatever. And and ladies, remember, I mean, any decrease is awesome with an epidural. Yeah. And when it comes time to push, it's so valuable to feel the contraction coming. And when I have a mom who has an epidural and she says the contraction is coming, I'm just like, yes, because we've... We've met the goal with a little bit of pain relief, but we can still feel what our body's doing. Mm -hmm. And that that's a win. 
for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. But a lot of people don't understand that that's a win. <laughs> yeah. So again, you it's just better to be prepared even if you're going to have an epidural. Mm-hmm. You should know about it. Mm-hmm. You should have your expectations appropriately mm-hmm. set. Also, really quick, my toddler's crying out there. I don't know if you can hear him or not because I can in my headphones, I think. But like, it's probably not your kid. It's probably <laughs> mine. He's fine. He's with dad. So like, don't don't worry too much. We Just haven't left him on his own. Yeah, <laughs> He's not running <laughs> wild out there well he could be but we do have <laughs> that's an adult true if dad <laughs> fell asleep i don't know oh my gosh okay anyways just had to just had to comment just on that everybody's so like so what you is know, going on why over don't they there? get the baby in the background <laughs> <laughs> it's like my dogs yeah <laughs> sometimes you can't you, you can't, can't help it you just let it happen yeah <laughs> our listeners are gonna be totally, understanding totally <laughs> Um, all right. So the next point to talk about is that our bodies perceive pain in various ways. So pain intensity, um, also the unpleasantness of the situation. Mm -hmm. So you could be feeling a pretty intense amount of pain, but feel like it's not a super unpleasant situation. It's just a very intense sensation right um whereas if you are considering a contraction to be very unpleasant and then it gets more and more intense that is going to make you perceive the pain to be worse right so just kind of another thing to think about Mm -hmm. um and then some kind of some ways that you might want to cope with the pain let's talk about some of those okay can I say really quick yeah. that a contraction is no longer than 60 seconds? Yes, important. They come and they go. So it's not like you're in a 12-hour situation with constant pain. Correct. Like if you're running a marathon, it's pretty much constant pain. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like 60 seconds here, then you're done. 60 seconds. It's only 60 seconds. And for that 60 seconds, it starts building and it peaks at 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. So the the real meat of the contraction is about 30 seconds. You'll feel it coming up and then you'll feel it going down. But the hardest part of the contraction is usually around 30 seconds. So I think that it's really important for our listeners to know, especially if, if they're haven't had a baby or if they're on baby number one, mm-hmm. it's not a constant pain you will have a break in this pain yeah so that your mind because it's it's a physiological process your mind your body knows exactly what it can handle and your body's only going to do what it can handle Mm -hmm. it's just your brain that doesn't want to handle it Mm -hmm. so understanding like this is okay this is just one more minute I can get through one minute you know or the next 30 seconds and then it's going to be complete relief yeah um until you know until the the next one yeah until the next one or if your baby's in your birth canal you're going to feel a sensation still there but at that point you're just so happy that you're there you're you're like we're almost done let's go you're so happy that 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 sensation isn't um it isn't registering as pain as much Mm -hmm. it's just registering as oh my gosh this is a sensation. Yeah. <laughs> so my baby's almost here. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of want people to understand like, yeah, an epidural, it's going to numb you hopefully mm-hmm. for the most part. Um, but you're dealing with all of the side effects of that epidural constantly the whole entire time versus 
um, you know, when you're dealing yeah. with natural labor, you're only dealing with your contraction and then it goes away and then you're totally normal ish. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, uh, anyway, I don't remember what the question was cause I had no, to clarify that. That was perfect actually. <laughs> and I think you on the point that your body is not going to throw too much at you. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you'll have a longer break in between yeah. contractions. Cause your body's like, we need well, to just, we need to take a second. Yeah. We need your body break. knows. Yeah. yeah. It's awesome. And I kind of wonder if the reason that women expect the contractions to be so awful is because they're being compared to period cramps that are worse. Right. right? And those don't have that pattern right. of coming rising and, and falling and coming and going. And so you're thinking worse than my worst ever period cramp mm -hmm. sounds really bad. Yeah. Those come and I'll be, you know, some, some women that have a really awful experience will say, I'm in my room all day. Right. It drops me to my knees. I'm throwing up or whatever. Yeah. And sure, where throwing up is occasionally part of labor. Yeah. It's not, it's not like that because no. of the coming and going and because of your body taking a break potentially if it needs mm -hmm. to. Totally. Yeah. Very valuable. You talked about, um, I want to jump kind of in my my outline plan or whatever. I want to jump to talk about some of the potential risks of having an epidural um, because you mentioned that you are, when you have an epidural, you're dealing with the side effects and the risks the whole time where when you are having a natural labor, you're only dealing with your contractions. Right. And why don't you talk to us really quick too about the difference of, that after the fact. Okay. Like the after pain. Okay. Yeah. I, I talk about this in my Bradley method class. Um, when I think about the pain of my four birth experiences, I had two epidural births and I had two natural home births. When I think about the pain or the suffering, like Penny talks about, I think about my first two births, mm. my epidural births, because, um, of the lack of knowledge of the lack of understanding of what was going on in my body. So it was very like, for lack of a better word, scary, you mm. know, the pain was scary to me because I didn't understand what the pain was and what it was leading to and how it was working with my body. So when I had my natural births, I, they were definitely not pain free. I remember the pain, you yeah. know, but there was a different, there was an understanding about that pain. Mm. So, um, just so you guys understand, like there's a baby coming out of you and your mind has to wrap itself around that. So there's going to be pain associated with that. Yeah. And the understanding of that pain is huge on that pain scale. So, um, but some of the side effects that we need to be aware of, obviously, I mean, you have to sign a consent form when you get an epidural. They don't just do them, you know, like yeah. that you're not going to sue if A, B, and C happens, which, you know, A, B, and C would be like worst case scenario, meaning like nerve damage or, you know, the epidural going the opposite way instead of down or um, um, the, the most, con yeah. I don't think about that one very often. I know. I had a, a couple come into my class that had four epidural births. Um, the fourth one, her epidural went upward instead of down. And she said it was the scariest thing she'd ever, ever experienced. And she's not going to do that again. And so they were pregnant with baby number five and mm. 
did a all natural home birth because wow. <laughs> she was like, I'm not going back there to get that medicine again. And just and, because what if? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so, so anyway, yeah, that's a very, very far fetched yeah. thing, but it, I mean, it, it's happened. Um, the most common side effect that they will tell you about is because they are placing that catheter or catheter, um, tube or that little plastic tube into your back and it's staying in your back there is the possibility of air getting into your epidural space that's why it's called an epidural the space in your spinal column so if air gets into that space that air rises up to the the base of your skull and this is where women can sometimes get this quote-unquote epidural headache Mm. Um, I had that with my first I don't know if it was because the epidural was just placed so long or, or what. I mean, it was a really long time ago too. So, um, but yeah, I had, and I never had headaches. I never do have headaches, but I had a constant headache for more than six months after my first baby. I also had pain in the injection site for months. Yeah. And that's a pretty common one as well. Yeah, You hear sometimes the more scary uh, risks, they're, they're so rare, Mm -hmm. but it's like, you should, you should know about them, but yeah. they really are quite rare. Right. But some of them are pretty common. Yeah. This, this epidural headache, they, and the anesthesiologist will always mention it, but at that point you already have them in the room and you're just like, like I'm not swearing. changing my mind now. Yeah, yeah. Give me the damn thing. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't care about any of that stuff. Headache, whatever. I Give it to just me. Freaking take this pain <laughs> yeah, away because yeah. your mind, your body's fine. Your right. body has not had it, but your mind has had it. Right. And that's when you tap out. Like, I can't. Yeah. And I do want to say this too. A lot of women will say, well, I got it so early because I was afraid I wouldn't be able to get it. You guys, in our modern day and age, especially if you're birthing in St. George, there's anesthesiologist on the staff at all times. Mm-hmm. And the possibility of you not being able to get an epidural within about a half an hour to an hour range is slim to none. Very low. Like yeah. You are going to be able to get it whenever you decide. Yeah. It could be about a half an hour, <laughs> you know, and that's just the paperwork and them getting the stuff in there. And, just, you know, like, so just kind of understand that it's not like an immediate. And even once mm-hmm. the epidural is placed, it still takes about 15 minutes for the medicine to actually start working. Mm-hmm. So just know that you are going to have to do some sort of breathing exercises. Yeah. Until, but the chances of you not being able to get one, very, very, very rare. Like yeah. you're going to still get, I've even seen them being placed while a mom was pushing. <laughs> so, really? Yeah. And okay. they do it really quick because boyfriend's making some money back there. Okay. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's got called into the room. He's going to complete the job so that he can make that money. That check, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like he's not going to be like, Oh, you're pushing. Let's just push this baby out. You right. Know, like your doula would be saying. <laughs> right. So just know like the chances of you not being able to get one are so low, mm-hmm. so low, like lower than the chance that you're going to get epidural headaches. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you'll be able to get one. So don't worry about that. It is time for another one of Trisha Baird's doula trainings. It is coming up in February. It is the 23rd and 24th. Now, this is a two-day workshop, and it's held 
twice yearly so once in the spring ish time and then usually once in the fall so february 23rd and 24th you'll want to plan on spending the entire day both days basically with her to learn how to become a doula and this is going to cover skills that you need and also business logistics so the skills of how to be a doula like how to support women mentally emotionally and physically in their uh, pregnancy and labor as well as some business logistics like how to handle client consultations and client contracts and anything all the way through birth and just making sure that you are set up to have a successful doula business so if you are interested in becoming a doula this is for you make sure that you check it out you can contact her on instagram at trish baird t-r-i-s-h-b-a-i-r-d this will also be in the show notes or you can check it out on her website empoweredbirthwithtrisha.com we hope that if you're interested in becoming a doula you will check out this avenue because it is a great resource and an amazing opportunity for anyone that is interested in becoming a doula or learning more about how to support a woman during labor I also want to say that sometimes epidurals can get a bad rap because of the potential side effects, especially in our community, right? right. Everybody's like, oh, epidurals have all these yeah. negative side effects, blah, blah, blah. They also really do have benefits. Right. And they can be really, really helpful in labor. Right. Sometimes. For sure. Yeah. We always hear that cascade of interventions, you know? Yes. And the number one thing in that, well, I guess it maybe, maybe be number two because the number one, one would be Pitocin, but <laughs> the number two thing would be the epidural. Mm -hmm. And if we're talking about this cascade of interventions, yeah, the epidural is right on the top of the list of what happens after the epidural. It's not necessarily the epidural that makes all the other interventions have to happen. Right. But it does get that bad rap because usually the cascade of interventions is not happening. And I say usually if an epidural isn't placed. Sure. Does that make sense? Sure. Well, and so. just in case it's unclear, cascade of interventions means you do one thing to make, to take your labor from natural labor let's say mm -hmm. to medicalized mm -hmm. you do that first thing and because you do that first thing the next thing has to happen the next thing has to happen the next thing has to happen so a lot of the time really the cascade of intervention probably starts at like getting induced un right. unnecessarily right so but we point the finger at epidurals. We do. We want to blame something. <laughs> Everybody wants someone to blame. And I understand that. Yeah. I mean, I, I like to do that too. And yeah. especially when I'm looking back at a birth situation or experience, I say, oh, if we would have done that or if this would have sure. happened. And that's what makes birth so hard. <laughs> yeah. Because everyone has an opinion and everyone wants to blame someone, whether it's the doctor, the nurse, the client, the whoever. Mm-hmm just to but you know it doesn't have to be someone's fault or something fault it's just it is what it is mm -hmm. and uh, you know we're just we're in this life doing these hard things all the time and we have to be able to accept whatever happens in our birth space just like we accept whatever happens in our life yes you know like yes. we do prep work to do a lot of things in our life sometimes they don't work out sometimes right. we don't get that dream job right sometimes our kids aren't these perfect little angels that sleep <laughs> eight hours you you know, yeah. like, and we have to deal with that. So mm -hmm. just 
just know that we can do a lot of prep work, but we might not get that quote unquote ideal birth. No. So in in the natural well, community, we want that. But. Sometimes you can have a perfectly physiological birth and it still ends in a C-section exactly. without an epidural even being present. We exactly. talked about this just before we started recording. Trish has yeah. experienced like personal things that she's witnessed mm-hmm. where sometimes yeah. you need the C-section. Sometimes yeah. you need that operating room. And guess what? Mom and baby are safe and healthy. Right. And that is ultimately the most important thing. Exactly. And then obviously next, next important is that it, you know, your plan went how you want it or right. whatever. And I think most of the time we can be understanding of that, but sometimes we have a hard time yeah. accepting yeah. a change in plans. Yeah. And we want to blame. Exactly. And especially when we've seen specifically even witnessed with our own eyes or read someone's story and you want that to be your story. Well, that isn't always the case. Mm -hmm. You know, that's just life. Life is not (laughs) fair. Life is not what it's, you know, exactly what we have built it to to be at all times. So, Mm -hmm. so when can an epidural be very beneficial is, um, when someone can't, when the suffering becomes too much, for a woman Mm -hmm. and that is different for every woman Mm -hmm. um there's a the difference between pain and suffering pain we can get through suffering um her body's acting different she's um making a lot more um her body moves different when she's suffering Mm -hmm. she's not listening she's not intaking water she's not um her mind is not allowing her to relax basically right and so this enters into a suffering stage and it looks different with everyone. Mm-hmm. Now transition is a suffering stage and transition <laughs> only lasts for about 15 minutes to a half an hour. So I always say I never let a client of mine that I'm perceiving suffer for more than an hour if we have an epidural option. Mm-hmm. And if she chooses that option and if I feel like her suffering has become too much and I can't bring her back around to, okay, if I'm I can't okay. pull her out of it. Yeah. yeah then an epidural can be a very, very handy tool. Because mentally she needs to believe that she's okay. Yes. Even if this is the hardest part because it is transition of labor, she needs to be able to believe that she's okay. Right. Right. And that could be emotionally or physically or mentally okay. Mm -hmm. You know, like physically she might be doing just fine, but emotionally all of a sudden something is triggered in her mind whether it's a nurse, a doctor, her husband, a midwife, something, and her mind can't let her body do what it needs to do anymore. She's come up to like a roadblock almost. Yeah. So your epidural is going to kind of place a block there Mm -hmm. so that your mind can't stop your body from progressing right your mind can't get in the way of that right so there are some negatives to that too where now your mind can't get the oxytocin through as effectively Mm -hmm. your mind can't get you your mind doesn't know that it needs to release those endorphins for natural pain relief so there's you know there's these it's a two-sided thing but if we need that blockage in place to be Mm -hmm. able to allow your body to handle it you need it. Right. Yeah. It's, it's the next step in our bag of tools. <laughs> right. <laughs> to right. Use because it's like, okay, well, 
she's not allowing her body to go there. We need to block some of this pain so that her body can continue its Mm -hmm. process. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, maybe we will need some Pitocin in a little bit just to make sure her body is continuing to do the thing. But in that time and space, we needed that pain Mm -hmm. relief for her. Right. And it doesn't necessarily mean that we're not going to get everything that we want, you know, vaginal birth is kind of the main thing that we want, but you know, and it is still possible to have that with your epidural. Of course. Yeah. Of course. It is considered the most effective form of medical pain relief. Mm-hmm. So that is another benefit of it. Like we said, it lowers your pain a couple notches on that yeah. one to 10 scale, not down to zero, surprisingly yeah. for no, some people. Um, but significantly, I mm-hmm. would say, I mean, three to well, three yeah. to four points is significant. If you're at a 10, it brings you down to a six. Yeah. That's it's, pretty good. It's huge, especially when, you know, it's labor and she can finally like breathe and mm-hmm. she can hold a conversation mm-hmm. where before I, she won't even talk to me or right. look at me. <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah. So I mean, it's very huge. <clears throat> but yeah, another side effect too, it does sometimes affect women's blood pressure. Yes. And so... um Every once in a while, you know, they'll have to give her other medications to pump up her blood pressure, you know, like a a ephedrine type of medication to spike her, her heart rate. Yeah. Um, So that can be a little bit scary. I don't see that very often, but it's definitely a side effect. Right. Well, it'll, the drop in blood pressure, it'll make her feel like lightheaded or nauseous or whatever. And then the because of the drop in the blood pressure, it can compromise the oxygen status of the baby. And that leads to an increased risk of cesarean, not the epidural, not even the low blood pressure of the mother, Mm -hmm. but the baby not getting enough oxygen. Exactly. And so again, we're always trying to point the finger at something, but it's Mm -hmm. kind of like all encompassing and, Mm -hmm. and it's just, it's just a thing that could happen. Yeah. And it's not, it's not like super common to happen either. No. It just sometimes will. No, but it is safer compared to like IV pain meds mm-hmm. to get an epidural. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, there's so many things. Yeah. Um, it is more likely to um, cause the need for forceps or a vacuum assisted delivery, which will cause more tears. Like we talked about tearing at the beginning. Um, it can cause a fever during labor, which like there's just all these potential things that it can cause. And again, there there's some level of rare, right? Like they're right. not like, oh, every time you have an epidural, you're going to have one of these side effects. But they, they are things that happen. Um, there's varied results about saying that it can cause a longer second stage of labor. There's a lot of different trials that have been done on this and from what i understand from hearing about the tr- the results of the trials is it sounds like typically it it causes a longer second stage of labor which is the pushing stage right um the the results that were significant that are standing out in my mind is that it it uh, is like double the time yeah which i mean it, it kind of makes sense if you can't fill what your body needs to do, then your body's not going to do that thing. Right. I mean, they will coach you on pushing and they'll tell you kind of how to do it. But if you can't feel how to do it, it's going to take longer. Mm -hmm. And it's just the process of your baby being able to, you working with your body is 
it's kind of not there anymore. Mm -hmm. So you kind of just have to trust your providers to help you. Yeah. And that can cause a very, very long second stage, meaning pushing stage, which in turn can cause a lot more trauma to happen to your perineum or mm -hmm. birth canal as yeah. well. Um, there's itchiness. Yeah. Sometimes associated with it. I, I've, I hear that one a lot actually Yeah, about just feeling itchy. Yeah, well, any type of pain relieving medication, especially if it has some sort of like, um, you know, like codeine or um, fentanyl, <laughs> you know, yeah. like anything like that, it's going to cause different things in people's bodies. But a huge side effect to any sort of um, mind altering type of pain reliever is itching. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. if you are someone who's, you know, went to the dentist and got itchy from the lanocaine and then the hydrocodone because they gave you for your wisdom teeth and you get itchy, girl, you're going to be itchy with an epidural. <laughs> yeah. It's just your body's side effect. And not everybody has that side effect, but it definitely is the one. And if you are one of those it's people, sad. just kind of just know plan that, on being yeah. <laughs> one of those people. Yeah. But yeah, stay away from any of that IV medication if you can. Like I would way rather see someone getting an epidural type of pain relief than the IV because when it's going into your IV, that's right into your bloodstream, which is directly to your baby's bloodstream, right through the umbilical cord. Mm -hmm. So baby being possibly eight pounds, you being maybe 140, you know, just imagine the amount that baby's going to get where with an epidural, the the pain medicine is going into your epidural space and it's kind of moving through your body system. It does get to your bloodstream eventually, mm -hmm. but it's not like directly to your bloodstream. Right. You know, so it's not in a vein going to your baby. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, there is slight infection risk uh, that would cause a need for antibiotics at the injection site. This is pretty rare, but... Mm -hmm. It is a thing. Your back could be temporarily sore from the injection site. Um, and then really, really, really rare, like extremely rare, would be permanent nerve damage, seizures, or difficulty breathing. Mm -hmm. um, but again, really, really rare. Mm -hmm. They, It's like mentioned on the, I don't know if an epidural has an insert, but like <laughs> they have to say that there is a risk of yeah. these things, but they're very rare. Um, but they do medicalize your labor and your birth. So you're going to need a catheter. Yeah. Um, you're going to need frequent blood pressure monitoring. And these are things that will happen. Oh yeah. You can't, this is a, this is protocol. <laughs> yeah. These come along with an epidural. So you need a catheter. You need frequent blood pressure monitoring, which means like at that cuff on your arm, you have you to have after your birth too. They have yeah. to take it every 15 minutes. So if, if you're trying to breastfeed and you have that cuff on you, just. Oh, how well, annoying. Yeah. It's, it's for at least an hour or two, depending on how your blood pressure was during your labor. They'll mm. take it off if it's a lot better, but yeah, it has to, it, and it goes off every 15 minutes. Yeah, mm. <laughs> you will have to have oxygen monitoring with a probe on your finger. Um, you will have to have extra IV fluids, and this can cause. Um, oh, let's see. What did she say? Your baby will end up having extra fluids too. So, if your baby ends up peeing those fluids out once they come out, this could potentially cause the staff to think that your baby's losing too much fluid and losing too much weight. And then they will kind of encourage, um, what's supplementation. it? Formula, formula yeah. <laughs> supplementation, yeah. where really it was just kind of 
the IV Your baby fluids. Was just getting rid of extra yeah. saline, yeah, basically. That they didn't need. Yeah. So um, there is an increased risk. I, I don't know if risk is something that you should say, but it is likely that you will need Pitocin if you have an epidural. Um, she didn't give, um, she being <laughs> at Rebecca Decker Rebecca. at Evidence Based Birth, she didn't give any statistics here, but she did say it's likely that you will need Pitocin. You do have to have continuous fetal monitoring. And that she does an episode on that, which I found fascinating, but that's its own thing. Um, and then again, there's a higher risk of a vacuum needed at the end of labor. So it is an effective pain management strategy. It is something to understand that you can have in your toolbox. And also you should understand the side effects of it. Yeah. Um, now we're kind of getting to where we want to wrap things up, but I do want to address some, uh, additional things that you could have in your toolbox whether you are wanting to not get an epidural here are some things that you could do instead of an epidural or if you are going to have one you will be more successful if you do these things as well mm -hmm. so the coping with right. different strategies what are your favorites Ooh. well the the thing that i want ever all of our listeners to understand is anything to cope with labor pain or any type of pain, actually it's called the gate theory. Yeah. And Penny Simkin has a whole like series on it. She's so great. She so, is really cool. Yeah. Actually <laughs> in, in my doula manual, I have all of her uh, gate theory. I also have one from Re Rebecca Decker as well. But what this means is when you're in labor and you're having all of these sensations, all of these nerve endings are sending messages to your brain about the pain. So what happens with the gate theory is we put a gate in between some of these messages. Mm -hmm. So if we put a hot towel on your back um, that feels really nice and we put a pressure point right on your lower back, um, all of a sudden your brain is getting different messages being sent, good messages like, mm -hmm. oh, that feels so good. And usually my client will say, that feels so good. Yeah. Because she just got the message to her brain about how good that hot towel feels mm -hmm. and how good that pressure feels. So anything that's distracting some of these nerve endings is the perfect, Yeah, you know, it's a called comfort technique, it, but it's to distract your mind, basically. Yeah. It's all about distraction. So this is why water is so, water birth and being in the water during labor is so effective because imagine the different messages being sent to your brain about mm -hmm. being fully submerged in very warm water. There's a very limited amount of information that your nerves can mm -hmm. accept at one time. Mm -hmm. So if you're confusing that, if you're adding right. pleasure, yeah. even though you're experiencing pain, if you're adding pleasure, it's sort of almost neutralizes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it definitely does. And you know, in the hospital and you'll hear women that birthed before doulas and like all these comfort techniques were being talked about. Oh my gosh, I would have done anything for someone to be doing that for me. I just like had to grin and bear the whole thing oh. on my own. I'm like, girl, that must've been so rough. Seriously. Cause in the hospital, you know, they're taking blood pressure. They have to monitor the baby at all times, you know, that you have to have an IV. So you're hooked up, you have at least three or four um, strands hooked to a computer system or an IV pole so that you can't really move. And these sensations that you're feeling are not good ones. Yeah, They're sending more messages to your brain about uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. The IV is uncomfortable. The bands around your tummy is uncomfortable. So not only are you feeling all of these real messages about pain, you're feeling all these annoying yeah. messages. And it's adding negative yes. feedback. Very negative. Yeah. So, and 
you get very overwhelmed with all of that. And then you're like, I, I need this to stop. And then the only way to stop it really is uh, epidural and right in a hospital. If you're not planned and ready and have people surrounding you to help you to do gate. these other things, but a gate. actual gate, yeah. yeah, which an epidural is a gate as well, obviously, because it's actually numbing all of the nerve endings, yeah. well, most of them. <laughs> yeah, right. So those messages aren't being sent anymore. Doesn't mean it's not happening though. Your body's still right. going through it. So bodies will be shaky. They'll, you'll feel like your breathing won't be regulated, you know, because your body's actually still doing all these things. You just aren't getting the message to your brain about why. You know, I'm a big metaphor girly. So I, I think we could call an epidural like a brick wall. Mm -hmm. rather than a gate where it mm -hmm. sort of does the same thing as it puts that blockage in place. Mm -hmm. But with the gate theory, imagine a gate, you've got these gaps in a gate right. that you can see through. So your brain is still sending endorphins mm -hmm. and your brain is still sending all these things. It's still getting the messages back and forth, but that gate helps keep it under control. Exactly. Whereas yeah. an epidural kind of it stops it, it, stops it yeah. which in some cases can be helpful. And then in other cases, it's, I mean, again, there are these pros side effects that are yeah. pros and cons because now afterward, when your epidural wears off, you've got a freight train of, um, sensation yeah. coming your way. Whereas yeah. if you've been feeling it the entire time, you've been riding the train mm -hmm. because you've had the gate theory in place. Um, you're, you just sort of ride it out. Right. And you're familiar with it and it doesn't kind of alarm you mm -hmm. when all of a sudden you're like, what the hell am I feeling right now? Right. Cause your yeah. epidural is wearing off. Right. Um, and then when you do have an epidural and then they give you lanocaine to numb you, to sew you up or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then all of those get turned off <laughs> and then you're up in mom and baby and you're just like, Whoa, yeah, this pain. But when a mom, like you said, is on that train continuously, <laughs> she's up in mom and baby just like, basking in all of her newborn loveliness mm -hmm. because she doesn't even feel the sensations no. that are happening in her body because no. she's already felt so much. She's already felt it and her brain was able to send her endorphins, mm -hmm. which are natural pain relievers. And right. sorry, but and if oxytocin. you- And oxytocin. Yeah. And sorry, but if you have that brick wall there, you're not, you're not getting those. You're just, no. you're simply not. And they're, again, pros and cons. Right. Yeah. So it's a choice. Um, Trish mentioned some of just in, in conversation mentioned some things that you can do as a part of the gate theory. I just want to kind of oh, list yeah. some. So yeah. warm water, she mentioned yeah, warm water um, movement, mm -hmm. uh, massage pressure points. Yes. The, there's a comb trick where you like, mm -hmm. I don't know if that one to me makes a lot of sense because it seems like a negative sensation. Well, yeah, it's a pressure point that you're pushing on oh, in your okay, hand. Okay. So, but when you are having those sensations of labor contractions, it's best to be able to fully relax your body. So, um, I feel like that comb thing is a little bit counterproductive because you're squeezing, tensing. Yeah. You're tensing up your arm, which is tensing up your shoulder. And when your shoulders tense and you're, pelvic floor is not going to be relaxed. <laughs> right. So that's a hard one for me. So if I could put the pressure on someone, I would squeeze like their hand right here mm. and they're totally relaxing. So, so yeah, but okay, that I definitely see. is a gate. It, it's a pressure point. Any pressure sure. point that's getting pushed on is, is the gate. Um, warm towels. Warm, yeah. Even like, um, smells like, yes. Aromatherapy. You know, aromatherapy. Um, the lighting in the room, what they can hear, 
you know, your mind can be very distracted with something good or something smell. bad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so if they're hearing like cold blue out in the hall and nurses rushing by that, ah! that's the very <laughs> that's opposite. Distracting. <laughs> yes. Of the distraction that we want. We want calm, soft music or sounds or positive affirmations being yes. said. That is a gate all in it. In, in itself as well. You know, you don't even have to touch her and she's still, receiving very good positive messages even through yeah, the pain because controlling your mind is part of the gate theory mm-hmm. so having your doula there raises your oxytocin mm-hmm. your doula is part of your gate exactly um your hypnotherapy mm-hmm. is something that people will do for labor that's part of your gate yes um i don't know if you're if you're feeling into it in the moment this can come and go but having somebody like rub your back or rub your arm play with your hair just anything that is going to confuse that sensory confusion Mm -hmm. and put that gate in place is um is going to be awesome for you yeah and in 2014 there was a group of researchers that found that all of these things the gate theory essentially anything that you can do to to be a part of the gate theory is very effective and it decreases your chance of needing an epidural in the first place. Mm -hmm. Like you might even have an epidural as part of your plan and then find that because of the gate theory, you didn't end up needing it. Um, And then, or even if you did need it, it will, it can and does greatly increase your chances of satisfaction with your birth Mm -hmm. and people that use gate control methods and mind control methods experience fewer cesareans, fewer forceps assisted births, less use of Pitocin and also a shorter labor on average. So it, shorter is nice for sure. Let's just get this over with. The, the more we can accept what our body's going through, the quicker your body's going to go through it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. So basically continuous labor support plus tailored pain management methods, including drug methods, if that's what you need to use, mm-hmm. provides the best outcome mm-hmm. is making sure that it's tailored to you and that you, you go in with your toolbox full yes and ladies this toolbox is up to you it totally is don't put it on a doula don't put it on your partner no (laughs) it is up to you yeah and you need to be the one to pack that thing full Mm -hmm. let everybody know what's in your toolbox but it's your it's up to you do not rely on anyone else to take this pain away it's up to you to figure out how to do it and how to accept what Mm -hmm. they're giving to you or what they're doing with you or helping you that's really important because if you are relying on your partner like if you're thinking okay my toolbox is my husband's going to be there and mm-hmm. my doula is going to be there mm-hmm. done it's like well <laughs> they we can do a lot but girl they can't do everything Mm-mm. you have to have your toolbox full and also they might not know what could help you and you mm-hmm. might say oh go grab the essential oils out of the bag or whatever mm-hmm. and they you know whatever is going to be helpful to you you just want to really fill that thing up yeah and it is on you yes just because you hired a doula does not guarantee you these things Mm -hmm. so no it doesn't anyway but your doula is going to help you figure out what you need in your box too yeah yeah (laughs) because hopefully you're going to hire her months previous to your doula and your class yes (laughs) your um childbirth class whichever one you attend and or your the podcast that you're listening to today mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> or the book or whatever. Seriously. Just, you know, all of these people can help, but ultimately it is up to you. Mm-hmm. You're the one making that appointment. 
with yeah. the doula. You're the one signing yourself and your partner up for that birth class. Yeah. You're the one talking to different doctors and midwives and you're the one creating it. So we're all here to help, but you know, I just, I had, I just need to say that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, definitely. One more thing that I wanted to just mention is epidurals and breastfeeding. That was a question that I did actually get in our inbox. Okay. Um, so the wrap up, I'm just going to be really quick on this is that there is not enough evidence to support that it affects breastfeeding. Um, you know, you'll have people that say that it does and you'll have people that say that it doesn't and there really is not enough enough um, research to support either way. Yeah. Breastfeeding is a whole nother monster to tackle. <laughs> yeah. We tackled it <laughs> and, somewhat. Yeah. But, but I will say this, you guys, if your mindset has been able to accept everything about your birth then your mindset is going to help you accept everything about breastfeeding, Absolutely. no matter how your birth went. And we want to say, oh, if it would have been ideal, you know, the ideal, you know, water birth, whatever, with the twinkly lights, yeah, your breastfeeding journey is going to be easy. That's not necessarily true, <laughs> no. you know? So it, it's about mindset when it comes to breastfeeding. And so I, yeah. I don't, I would hate to blame no. a bad breastfeeding journey on an epidural because no, right. I don't want to put blame on anything. So Well, and you didn't earn a good breastfeeding no. experience no just way. because you didn't have an epidural. Mm -mm. That's not a thing. No, not at all. Um, and you I didn't wish. deserve a bad <laughs> breastfeeding experience just mm -mm. because you had an epidural. They don't really correlate no, is what don't. the research is showing. Yeah. So um, just to answer that question really quick, like but yeah. hopefully um, <laughs> you feel now as we're kind of coming to a close at the end of this episode that you have at least a jumping off point for some information where you can make the best decision for yourself yes. and we're here to support whatever you feel like is best for you yes. most doulas are yes. <laughs> and so it's um, not about us it's about you no, what you yeah want. yeah let's talk about what you want it's not about us yeah you can ask our opinion absolutely and we'll happily give it but that it's still, it has nothing to do with us. Right. We're, we're just there to facilitate whatever right. you have built in mm -hmm. your box. So if, if an epidural is something that you want to put in your box and you want to have that be one of the main things in your box, that mm -hmm. is awesome for you. Yeah. And we hope that you feel prepared with all the information that you could possibly need to have a successful experience with your epidural. And also we hope that you, I guess I should speak for myself with this, but I think I can say we, I hope that you feel now that maybe you don't need an epidural or that doesn't need to be at the forefront of your mind when you think about a pleasant birth experience. Right. Yeah. We're not going to take it out of your box. No. That's up to you. But we're definitely going to say put some more stuff in there. Mm -hmm. And yeah. So Hopefully, if you have any other epidural questions that weren't answered, obviously feel free to shoot us a DM at the Birth Village podcast. Yes. Um, we love to hear from you guys. Like, I don't think that I can stress that enough. We love to hear from you guys. It makes us happy. It makes yes. us feel really supported. And we actually really do feel very supported. You guys are really awesome. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Um, if there's anything that you would like to learn about, let us know. Um, through a DM on Instagram or through our email at the birth, the birth village podcast at gmail.com. Trish, what's your Instagram? 
Trish Baird. That's it. Yeah. Easy. <laughs> really easy. <laughs> <laughs> Mine is M Bro Wellness, as in Morgan Brower, M Bro. Um, so it's E M B R O Wellness. And if you would, though, we would love for some. Um, attention and support to our Instagram page, not our personal pages. Yeah, Feel free if you want, yeah. but that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> but the Birth Village podcast page um, that can help us uh, as far as like sponsorships go with like cool brands that we want to work with and stuff like that. If there's any brands that you guys think that we should try to work with to get you guys some discounts or something like that, like let us know. Yeah. But we also need some love to our Instagram page if you want those cool discounts and stuff like <laughs> totally. that. Totally. <laughs> Um, if you're feeling really nice, you could leave us a rating and review. That really helps get our message out. You could share this with your friends. Am I missing anything? I don't think so. Just like us, you guys. <laughs> share us. Yeah. <laughs> it's not hard. No, it really Morgan isn't. can show you how if you don't know how. She showed me. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, we have a video on our on our Instagram, Instagram yeah. to show you how to do a rating or review. Um, we really, really do appreciate you guys. We love you lots. And we hope that you feel empowered because we know that empowered, empowered women, women empower, empower women. women.